Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. We are starting uh, just a two-week Focus, let's call it a sermon series on um, the topic of renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. And as a Bible believing church that trusts for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and lead us, we have to be taken away continually from old ways of thinking. And even if you've, you've been in a relationship with God for 10 years or longer, and maybe you feel, hey, I've grown in my faith, don't make the mistake to think that it's unnecessary for you to still renew your mind. You will stop that renewing process when, the day you die or the day when Jesus comes back, whatever comes first. We will ever be growing in our faith. And a big part of that is renewing our minds. And I just want to set the expectation for tonight. I'm really going to go for it, and I'm going to assume that you are here to grow. I'm going to assume that you're hungry for God, and I pray that your deepest desire will be met. Let me just pray for myself for a moment. Lord Jesus, as we come together as your church to lift up your name, we came, we sang we spoke about and thought about your greatness and expressed it in song. And now we open our hearts, our minds to hear from you as you speak words back at us through your word. Where you are sitting, won't you just take a moment and tell God if you really want to grow. Just whisper it. Say, I am here for business with you. I really want to grow. Just in your own words, I really want to grow. Maybe just leave the weekend behind. Don't, don't let this moment blend into the weekend. Consecrate this moment. Say, Lord, I am here for you. This is a significant moment in my life. Speak to me. Amen. I just want to say something before I go on. Danielle, will you just stand up? Danielle, that's, uh, please stand up for a moment. It will still look like you're sitting, but it, you can just... So, <laughs> so just wait. This is Danielle. The reason she led worship a year ago is because she became a mom. And let's give Danielle a clap. And I'll tell you why. Because there's very few moms after becoming a mom that has the energy, whatever you want to call it, focus, desire, sense of calling, if that is what God calls them to do, to get back into a stage um, and do all that prep work and lead a team. And she's not the only one. We've got Carla who led this morning with Carl. We've got Lisa at the back. Lisa, Lisa. she's also a mom. We've got Bianca with a two-day-old baby in the mother's room. 
Bianca, we're giving you a clap. Because God is the God of families. And so I want to tell you, if you are single or getting married, you now becoming a mom will not take your calling away. It will look different for a few years. But as a church, we want to walk with you. We want to make sure that you, as you become a mom, that your calling uh, in the sense of publicly, when it comes to church, carries on. And one day when the children are, uh, are out of the home, you're still in stride. And maybe then you want to pick it up again. But we value you. Every mom. Yeah, this is not Mother's Day or something, but, but this is very important because it's a pattern we see in, in some of our bigger churches that there's a lot of young people that lead to wor uh, worship, but as they marry and get children, we don't see them again, but we're making a point to bring them back. It's very important. The electric fence. Who remembers this? 2015. We did the electric fence, and uh, it has changed. It's been, I mean, it's been five years. I mean, Donald Trump became president. A lot of, uh, I mean, we've grown, you've grown, I've grown, and we are yet to speak about renewing the mind, and we have this idea of the electric fence. Some of you might have heard it from a buddy, like, yo, my electric fence is not working properly, as they might have remembered it from earlier. In the Bible, there's no electric fences, all right? I know that. I know that the wall of Jericho did not have an electric fence on it, all right? Also, the walls of Jerusalem, we get that. It's a way of expressing the fact that the Holy Spirit is able to speak with you as things enter the space of your heart and leave the space of your heart. All right, that's all we're saying. We are saying that the Holy Spirit is able to whisper to you when there is danger. The fence goes off. You just know it in your heart. We spoke about that TV that goes, okay? And sometimes it's the electric fence, it's the Holy Spirit that's alerting you there's something that's coming near. Take heart. Be focused. It's the idea of electric fence. We're going to speak about your life being a fortress or a home with a fence and how God wants to help you be a great steward of what he's given you. That's the whole idea behind the electric fence. Romans 12 verse 1, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Did you know that when you serve God with your body, it might look like you are moving a chair, but in the heavens you are partaking in a spiritual act because you are doing with your body something that progresses the kingdom. Okay, so if you're on a set-up team, bringing your body here to serve is very spiritual in the heavens. Did you know that? It is. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. That by testing, having this new mind, having this fence, right, sending the right impulses, now you can also test well that you may discern, make good decisions. What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? Now the problem just with this is, it's, it's not a problem if you are in a life 
giving church and you have a relationship with a word and you can be helped. But the problem with this is what the world has done to this idea of having thoughts is, is they made it an end in itself. They made it God, having good thoughts. Can we just have the following slide up there? If you can think it, you can do it. You can. Have you heard that? That's not what the Bible is speaking about. Think good thoughts and good will find you. Jesus must have had very bad thoughts the day he was crucified. Because what came to him was not good at that moment. What was set in front of him to overcome was extremely bad. The greatest sin ever committed in the world. Stephen, the first martyr, must have been praying wrong or something when he was on his knees and he saw Jesus and they killed him because the world is telling us if you think in the right, if you think the right stuff, the right stuff will happen to you. That's not true. Listen to this nonsense. Think good thoughts, say nice things, do good for others. Everything comes back. That's not what the Bible says. We're going to get into this idea of thoughts. But let me just give it to you straight up. What the Bible says is your mind is powerful because if you submit it to God, you will find his will. and That's very powerful. And your mind is very powerful because it can take hold of things that is not God. And once it takes hold of that, it can lead you astray. Your mind is a powerful tool that should be brought under the guidance of God, but it's not a God in itself. Let that be known. Amen? Very important. And it's hard, okay, because it, it gets blurry, and, and Christians, they share stuff like this. It's not what the Bible teaches. We'll get into what the Bible says. Amen? Now, when the Bible speaks about renewing the mind and all the things that can come your way, in the spirit, in your life, and trauma you might experience that takes you to think a certain way, maybe insults. Some of you have heard terrible things from teachers. You're dumb. You're stupid. You're dumb. No one will ever marry you. You're so manipulative, right? Sometimes these things come against us in a very strong way, and the Bible actually uses military language to help us conquer this area of our minds, because the weapons that come against us, they're not marshmallows, they're not fluffy. They, they come for you to break you, to hurt you. Now, Scripture often speaks of this idea of a stronghold, and I've got just two um, definitions up there for you from two different so uh, sources. The first from the Webster definition, it says, a stronghold is an area where most people have the same beliefs, value, Etc. an area dominated by a group. Can you see that a stronghold can be a, a common belief, right? But a, a stronghold can also be a common place. One place with one hall with people looking out can be a stronghold in, it, in itself, right? Here's another definition for you from the Your Dictionary. The definition of a stronghold is a place that has been secured tightly in case of attack, right? Or a place where a particular belief or 
ideology is firmly believed and staunchly defended. So we can either defend a physical place like your home. Your home is a, is a stronghold. It should be a safe place for you to dwell, you and your, your, your housemates or the flat where you're staying. If you are staying in a block of flats, it's good if the block of flats even is secured. It just speaks of a place of safety. It's practical and the Bible acknowledges that. But it's also a place where a group having certain views, attitudes, can be concentrated. Okay, so we get a physical fortified place being a stronghold or a spiritual fortified place. Now let's quickly look at scripture before we really head into tonight. The Old Testament, here's an example. The inhabitants of Jabez said to David, you will not come here. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion. Okay. Stronghold in that case was a city, a specific place. Here the word comes to Nehemiah and Nehemiah 1. And what actually happens is some of the exiles that were pushed out of Israel were allowed to go back. And when they got back and saw their beloved city, the word came back to Nehemiah that the wall is broken. It looks like a, a garbage dump. I mean, everyone can walk in and out and... At this moment, it breaks Nehemiah's heart because the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed. As soon as I heard this word, I sat and I wept and I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven and then God sent Nehemiah to rebuild the physical stronghold of Jerusalem. Let's quickly go to the New Testament. We're just focusing on strongholds here. Strongholds takes a shift in the New Testament or the new covenant, from being physical Israel, physical places, physical temples with physical walls, to being very spiritual. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war. Look at the language, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. What this means is there is strongholds, places where people believe or where spirits carry beliefs that are not of God. A stronghold in this place should be we have one king. His name is Jesus. And before him, there is no other. If there is a group of people, 50 or 60, march in and say, no, no, we've got, we've got great news. Jesus is the king and... This man standing here is God incarnate. He's, he's a, the co-king with Jesus. We, we are dealing with a stronghold that's coming in here. And now we need to decide whether we're going to defend our walls or say, hey, great idea. We destroy arguments, listen up, and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We protect our stronghold with all we have. And we take every thought captive. Can you see that military language? Right. I quickly want to show the scripture again, Romans 12 verse 2. This, is, this will be my longest intro for the year, but we're going to hit it after this. It says, do not be, oh, can we go to slide number nine? If that's, oh, here we go. Thanks. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what of your mind? The renewing of your mind. That's the word used there. Anachronosis. And the word literally means to renovate 
your mind, to renovate your mind. This should keep you busy. As you get to know God and His Word, He's busy with a renovation with the things you believe. He's building a godly stronghold in your mind. And He's helping you over time to build it more and more and more. And anything that comes against it, you recognize it quicker and quicker. But let me just say this again. When does this renovation of the mind stop for the believer? Never. I had to do it this week. And I'm prepared to do it next week again. We have not arrived. God is in heaven and we are on earth. Instruct, Lord, speak so that we may renovate and obey. This is the posture of the scripture. Does it make sense? Anyone, does it make sense? Take your own and say, you must do renovations on your mind. Right, now, we're going to focus for the rest of the time on this scripture and and. I've got a little heading here. How the enemy attacks your stronghold. Your place, your turf, your spiritual home. What is the plan of the enemy? And how can we get that electric fence up to make sure that if there's something coming to the edges of my turf, of the place that God has given me, I'm aware. That's very important. Each person, who's that? Each. Each one. is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. The very first sermon of the year, we spoke about emptying the heart of idols. Who remember that? Let me tell you something about your heart and my heart. This is the best description of a heart. It's staying with me for weeks now. Your heart is an idol factory. Your heart and my heart is an idol factory. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you how this works. You are made by God to receive things into your life. Like a magnet. You, you are made, and we are differently made, and some of us, there's different things that gets us up and gets us going. There's different things that brings tears to our eyes, and there's different things that gives us hope. But in one way or another, each one of us, we are made to receive an extravagant love from God. Would you agree with me? You're made like that. People talk about the God-shaped hole. You are made to receive Him and to, to have Him plug into your life and live. Your heart is an idol factory because if it does not get God, It'll take something and put it in there. And you know what? Some of those things might be good things. It might be your family. But once you put it in there, you elevate it above God, and then it is an idol. 
Okay? Being a pastor is something that I can put in there. And I get my identity in that. You see, because my heart is longing to plug in with God. What if I take something good like being in the ministry, it becomes an idol? Let me tell you something else about you. You are made to experience the affection of God and the affection of friends. If you're called to marry the affection of a wife or a husband, God made you like that. You are made like that. And the enemy knows how to take that drive you have to be loved and feel loved and, and just offer you something else to put in there so that you end up in a place where you get hurt every time. You see, your heart is an idol factory. My heart is an idol factory. I am made to long for God to say, Werner, I am pleased with you and say, that's my identity. But sometimes, sometimes if I'm really, really, really honest, I'm living for people to say those words. You see what I've done? My heart is made to attract what is that very thing, the affection of God. But the enemy has misled me to take the affection of people. It's the same heart. And so if we talk about you and your life and how you are made, let it be known, every good and perfect gift that comes from God, He wants to send beyond your electric fence. Have you see it and take it in. Your affection, Lord. My Father, that's who you are. Oh, my provider, you stay the same through the ages. You know what the psalm writer says about strongholds? He says, God, you are my stronghold, a fortress. But what if I struggle for God and I slip and, and I get other things in there? It's often good intentions that gets us into trouble. So God sends a lot of his goodness through the Spirit, with His Word, He tells us what it is. And when it comes to your fence, let it in, let it in. But let it be known, there's, there's things coming your way. Because that desirous heart, made to desire God, the enemy knows exactly how it works, because he had a heart like that. He wanted to steal God's glory. He turned his heart away from God. And from that moment, he's the most jealous being planet earth and in the world he will never be reconciled with god in the way you are he hates you hates you and he wants you to feel what he feels and so when you long for god if he can get his stuff in there he'll bring it and he uses your own desires and some of those desires are not bad things are you with me tonight Your life, your heart is a stronghold. And you have the ability to have a fence around it. The help of a spirit to help you govern what comes in, what comes out. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart. Protect it. It's yours. He made you like that. Don't let anything in. But the first thing we're going to say tonight is, the plan of the enemy is to lure you. We can go to the next slide. It's to lure you. Have all your eight look. 
So I, I told the story this morning and people enjoyed it, so I'll tell it again. Let's see if you also have a sense of humor. But when we were young, I was very naughty and I'm, I'm still naughty. I'm just now Christian naughty, all right? I'm just, I'm just different naughty, okay? I, I say sorry afterwards. So when we were young, we took a wallet in the street where I lived. I lived in Wellington. It's the, well, we're the, the, as you exit the town, the Kerkstraat or Church Street runs out of a town up into the mountain. And our ho home is one of the last homes in the town. But it is still the road you walk on to get to town and to the liquor store, right? So on Fridays, we see people walk very fast past our home one way. And we see them walk very slow back home, all right? You know, if you can't carry all the stuff, you might as well drink it at the shop. It's maybe what they thought. But in any case, so these people, and I always thought, I mean, I was a young man, I always thought, I thought, I would take my alcohol home and drink there. Because then if I get drunk, I can just fall down. I've, as a young man, I mean, I was six years old, I thought, why, why struggle get home? But in any case, as these people walking home, we would take a wallet and put it on the sidewalk with a fish line attached to it, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and then we'd put, we'd put um, leaves over the pot where the line is, just when there's trees all along. And so when people walk to the town, we want them to to bend down to pick up the wallet and then we, we pull the wire. But as they walk to town, they'll see the wallet and they'll go. Because they're not intoxicated. But when they come back and they see the wallet and they bend down, that's when we pull the line. Okay, we have a one, the, the youngest one, Johan, he, wasn't, he was supposed to stay in the street and say, there's people coming, I see them, and then they'll, he'll get into the tree. That was his job. And then the people will, will run after this wallet as we pull it. We would lure them because they think there's money in there. But we're only making fun of them. It's bad, eh? But in the same way, I want you to know that the enemy puts these empty wallets. If this is your road that God's calling you on, he puts them here. He just, whatever he can do to get you off the road that you are called to walk, He'll try his best. He wants to lure you. Know that. But it also says in verse 14, each person is tempted and he's lured and enticed by what? By his own desires. And some of those desires are not bad desires. Some of them might be. But I want to say the second thing, that the enemy uses your own desires as bait. And so what makes this important is that it's very crucial for you to be in a small group, grow and make friends so that there's other people that get to know you. So that they can help you grow and govern your way as you follow God as a disciple. Because I'll tell you what, we've got different baits that attracts us because we, we, we're made differently. I grew up in a home where my dad had brandy every night of the week. He still has. And as a young man, I used to pour alcohol for him. 
I always sipped and tasted and thought it was very funny. But at one stage when I was at the end of primary school, I got fed up with it and I thought, I don't think my friends, parents drink every evening. And so something happened in my heart and, and, and I, I was not saved yet. And I did many, many, many things wrong. I committed great sins, but I, I, I've never been drunk in my life. It's just not my bait. The, the way life works with me, the enemy will put other things down for me. Other things that will draw my attention. And my accountability partners, they know what those things are. And so they ask me about it. We actually spoke about it this week. What about you? What is the bait the enemy uses in your life? If you want to grow, if you want to know how to manage this electric fence and, and, and see when things come in and out, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to show you your heart and what you are susceptible for. Amen? It then goes on, it says desire. Let's just see how this goes. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. What it means is that at one moment, at first the enemy tempts you, he lures you, but once you put your hand on the temptation, number three happens, and that's a conception. Sin has just conceived in your heart. Sometimes, um, I'll speak honest about the men I did it this morning as well. Sometimes us guys feels bad, feel bad because you're just doing something. The next moment you get a terrible thought, a lustful thought, and it hits you from the side. I'm not going to ask who that happened to because it is everyone. And that is a temptation. The moment you take that thing and you start to dwell on it, you think about it, you, you allow five seconds, ten seconds to go, you are allowing something to come across your electric fence. You are putting it in the ground. And it conceives. It starts to grow. Tomorrow it's there again. The next day it's there again. And before you know it, you're in trouble. Right? But let me just say this. We have to know that there's times when the enemy takes your attention and shows you something outside of your electric fence. It, let's use this example. You, you're busy with life. You, you're working. You, you, you're worshiping God. You're coming to intercession for crying out loud. And the next moment, you think a bad thought. Something from before you knew God or you saw it in a movie that you shouldn't have watched. It, it just hits you. Let me tell you what. Once you, it hits you, it's outside of your fence. What you do now determine whether you bring it in. Being a believer, someone that loves Jesus, when that thing hits you, you know, oh, 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 oh. The Holy Spirit is speaking with you. You are hearing God's voice. Did you know that? You say, Lord, what I just thought is not from you. That's not a good and perfect gift from above. This is meant to hurt me. It looks attractive now in a way, but once this thing conceives, it will only bring me pain in my heart. Lord, you fulfill me. And whatever that desire, wherever it's from, you pray into your heart what belongs there. Lord, you satisfy my soul. You are the lover of my soul, Lord. I will not accept such a thought. You've given me a great wife. Or, Lord, 
I will not accept such a thought. I'm preparing my heart for marriage. Your electric fence. Uh, my, my Talita is two years old. She's got an electric fence. She knows. She knows. When she's doing something that's wrong, something with her brother's toys or something, and I come around the corner, she goes like, Agheti, Agheti, Agheti. <laughs> she knows. God enables us to understand so well. Scripture then says, when sin, when it's fully grown, it brings forth death. Sorry, sorry. First, after conception comes birth. When it has conceived, it gives birth. Something starts to change in your heart. And uh, let, me, let me just use the ladies as an example. Let's say you didn't want it, you didn't plan for it, but now you ended up in your heart at least with a little bit of a competition with someone at work because... There was a meeting and you said this to the boss and she said that and then this person, you're like, you're offended in your heart and you've actually picked it up and now you, you're jealous because she's doing well. Your electric fence should be on. You should pick that up and deal with that with a friend very quickly. But now you've allowed it in and now that jealousy is ministering to your heart and it's causing your heart to, go, to turn bitter. Right? Who's married here? Did you see? Okay. A lot of you, I just use marriage as an example, okay? You don't have a different heart for every person you work with, run with. You, you've got one heart. That same bitter heart you now take home where your wife or your husband is waiting. Now you're bitter towards them because you see something came over your fence. But this is your turf. It is you. You're carrying it with you where you go. So it's a great skill to know when something raises itself, an argument, a thought, an invitation, gets raised up against the knowledge of God in your life, that you press it out and cut it off at the roots. I will not submit to this. I will not submit to this. Because I am set apart unto the Holy Spirit. You get it out of your fence. Make sense? Last one, it says, and when it is fully grown, it brings forth death. In smaller scales, if it's maybe not fully grown, there's regret, there's loss, there's a loss of relationship, there's a, whatever is the fruit of that, that thing that grew up. And so the plan of the enemy is to make you feel like he feels. He will never get back to God. He will always be a strange out there. And if he can get you there through his plans, by getting things over your fence, then he will do it. But you are here because God has different plans for you. Amen? So what do we do? Such a great challenge and such a great responsibility for each one that wants to grow. I'll tell you one way to deal with this. About a hundred years after Jesus was born, the last apostle died, 
There was a very interesting era where the church was a little bit stressed out because like all the apostles are gone. They saw Jesus. They spoke to him. They, they heard his words for themselves. They, they saw his hands and, and now they're gone. And the church was a little bit in a panic. What now? But it was their time to rise. And a few things happened that hurt the church and we should learn from it. And in a way, I can almost see it being a response to this. There were certain groups in the church, in Christian churches, that said, the church is too sinful for me. Because I want to get away from all these things. And people went out and they lived in caves. Some people lived alone. And later on, it became fashionable to walk away from the city where there's houses, transport, money, and and they lived in caves as groups to be unstained from the world. Other problems came with that because that living in itself became idolatry. Like they would say, no, the churches are bad. Look at us. You live in a house. So that means you've got idolatry. These people would not own a house, own a means of transport. They'll plant the minimum stuff to eat and they'll live away from the people to hide away from anything that might come over the fence. There was a group of people who would not sleep. They would tie themselves in an upright position to something to make sure that they can devote themselves to prayer because the Bible said they could literally pray without ceasing. And they said, we're not allowed to sleep. It's very dangerous. For the groups that went together where groups of people gathered where it was not one or two, because they wanted to make sure no one lets anything over the fence, they had a guru, a father figure, and he would tell you what to do. This is now the people that purify themselves by going away from the church. And so the guru would say what you're allowed to eat, when you're allowed to sleep, how long you should pray. And guess what? Jesus was lost. Their righteousness became as filthy rags because what they tried to do, they wanted to earn salvation through that. On the other side, we have what we have today in our almost post-gospel era where we say, no, 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 we should not, the church should not be set apart at all. We should just accept everyone and everything. If someone says, I have a wife, I'm going to marry another one, and... That's what I'm going to do. We must say like on Facebook. Great, as long as you love both of them, because love wins. You just love. Make sure you love. Someone says they're going to do this horrible thing in the sight of God. Be sure to say, I just want to tell you, you have my support. It's the other side. And our kids are growing up in the society. Know it very well. Not one is the right way. The one takes off the fence altogether, and the other one takes God out of the picture and tries by human effort to be set apart. So what do we do? I want to give you two ideas, and we're going to wrap up with this. What is a healthy way, if it's not to to move away and, and live in a 
cave and not sleep to make sure you pray. And it's also not to take the fences off and just be like YOLO and everything is right and okay, there's no one set apart. What should we do? In summary, I'd say this. Our electric fence functions very accurately when we deem Jesus more valuable than all we can possess, sorry guys, than all we can possess and believe the Bible as more true than all we know. That's how you guide what comes over your fence and what stays out. When we deem Jesus more valuable than all we can possess, everything in this world, and we believe the Bible as more true than all we know, you have the right spiritual starter pack to get this going. Are you with me? If anything wants to come over the fence that will compromise your love towards Jesus, even though it looks good, you'd say, no, I want to say this. If you are a young girl in this church, you are starting to grow, you gave your heart to God, you got baptized, you're in a small group, and, and you're just loving Jesus, and you have a desire to marry, who placed that desire there? God placed it there. And you open the gate for a man that does not love Jesus, you are letting something onto your spiritual property that should not be there. I'm being very direct with you. If you are a man and you're doing well and you're getting promoted at work and you just feel, man, there's just one area I just really want to get married and then you are willing to take someone that does not love Jesus Christ with all they have, then you are not deeming Jesus more valuable than all you can possess. Wait on him. Wait on him. He will satisfy your soul until it is time to bring someone to bring over the fence. Are you with me? I know you don't really have a fence like around you. I know that. But you get what I'm saying. How do we deal with this? We lift Jesus up as much as we can. We establish him as all we have. That's how we know where to go. Once your love for Jesus diminishes in a week, in a month, or maybe over a year, many things will come over your fence. And it's, it's just simple. If you, if, you have to, if you have two homes to, to buy from, two options, and the one is it's, it's beautiful and it's neat and it's, it, the light comes in and it, you feel fresh when you're there. You go to the other one and it's, it's dark and there's mold and, and you like... It smells like something died there. You're going to go to the one you deem most precious. You're going to put your deposit on that home. And so what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do is, do you, we see Jesus as just a building that's there? Or is he most precious? Will we walk into him every time? Every time. Because that's 
what the Holy Spirit is asking of us. Are you with me? Last scripture for our last slide for the evening. In a warlike posture, you capture all the adoration of your heart that are invested in other areas. Then, like a warrior, you can place the adoration back on Christ. You go collect the pieces of your heart. and You bring it back in. Say, Lord, this is yours. Amen? Let's stand up tonight. Can we have um, slide eight on there, please? So that's Scripture in Corinthians. Go right. Just where you are standing, will you just close your eyes and take a deep breath and will you allow the Holy Spirit just to, to work with you tonight? If you don't know where to start tonight, if this has been overwhelming, there's many things in your life, the first thing you focus on and you make sure you invite the Spirit in, you invite Jesus into your home, past the fence. You say, Lord, establish your presence in my life. You start there. If you're unsure, you just stay there until there's clarity. Oh, establish your presence in my life. You are my king. My heart's desire as a deer pants for water, so I long after you, Lord. Bring him in a Invite him over that fence. Draw near to him. Where you are standing, why don't you just do that? Say, Lord, I ask you to come and be the answer to my need for affection. I ask you that you will come and establish my identity in you. I have a need to be identified. I have a need to know who I am. Be that for me, Lord. Tell him that you desire more of him. Say it to him. Don't think it. Say, Lord, I desire more of you in my life. And then if you feel ready, say, Lord, what, what should I pick up and take out of the boundaries of my heart beyond the fence to the outside? What should I uproot? What does not belong here? I want to love you more. If there's anything in the way, please lead me. Please guide me. Help me to trust and wait on you. Some of the things God will bring because He placed a desire on your heart, but don't turn to the right, to the left for the wallet that's on the ground. It's, it's, it's luring you. If it doesn't seem spiritually sound, wait. I want to have a call, call to action tonight. If, if there's anything that you want to take out of your fence, away from your heart, put it to the side, then I want you to quickly come to the front, come right to the stage and say, Lord, I am bringing this thing. As I'm walking to the stage, I'm carrying this out of 
my heart beyond the fence. This does not belong in my life. Let me just throw one or two things in there. Fear. You should carry it to the front. Because that's not God, right? He's not giving you a spirit to fear. He wants you to express yourself. He wants to use you. Jealousy, anger. These are things that's hard to spot, but the Spirit will show you. So if you want to bring anything, one, two, three. Let's obey in this place. Let's have faith. Okay, only come if He speaks with you. Okay, don't come because I'm asking nicely. I want you to grow. I want you to respond out of your own heart. Lay it down. Say out with you. Say, Fridayvel, accept your plan. You will not lure me. Do business with God. Speak with Him. 